0: As I was driving along in the car, my daughter, what she calls, sorry, what all my girls derise Old to man, refer to radio. Was, oh, man Radio. Old Man Radio. That's,
1: that's or, what uncle gr- called as well.
0: Grumpy Old Man Radio. Okay. Old mate, Michael Thorne, popped on uh, and was yapping away. And my youngest just sort of said, he's a bit of a flog in the like, <laughs> Oh, Oh, brings a tear to my eye. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt have been bringing you the world's best local and imported malts. They are your premium brewing partner, and they are also proud supporters of Brews News, and in particular, the podcast to which you are listening as we speak, and that is Good Brews Week. I'm your host, Pete, Professor pilsner Mitchum. and joining me is Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. What? I don't get a nickname. You... Matt, beer Matt <laughs> Thank you. Kierkegaard. Thank you. He does beer, and his name's Matt, and it's better than Coaster, I suppose. Because Coaster would suggest that you just kind of, you know, just sliding through life without a care, just doing whatever. But it, whereas, in fact, I think it's fair to say without putting too much mayo on it that uh, you're one of the hardest-working men in beer, considering you, um, hashtag, have
1: no skin in the game. Uh, do I, yeah, so teasing <laughs> teasing our appearance on another podcast there, uh, Prof. <laughs> Crossover. Seriously. Yeah, we're
0: doing, I, I kind of feel like um, – you know, uh, law and order, the SUV, and uh, and criminal intent. You know where they do the crossover where they episodes. Do the crossover
1: or... episode, yeah. No, it was nice. Uh, we we recorded last night with Chris from the Beer Healer, and uh, yeah, we we don't sort of get out and do many crossover podcasts, but it was nice. But I, I actually felt very, I, I, I felt like I used to when we first started doing this, and I'd have to listen back to the to the um, episodes to edit them, and then wouldn't put it out because I. You know, I've I've gotten used to talking about beer the way that we do on the podcast, but I hate talking about myself, and so I felt all um, uncomfortable and awkward last night uh, afterwards. So uh, you,
0: you? you did sound a little bit self-aware. Okay, is that a good thing? <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> okay, no, because in a self-deprecating way.
1: Okay, now look, it,
0: it, it is hard, it, it, and, and I have. Um, I think it's good. This is the first time I think. Well, particularly, it's certainly the first time that you and I have both been interviewed as, you know, the Matt and Pete show or the Waldorf and Statler, you know, Morecambe and Wise, you know, Laura Linardi, kind of you know, double act. And, um, yeah, it, it's funny how you kind of uh, – I think I have a better understanding of how our guests uh, feel. <laughs> feel, I guess. Yeah, like when they say, oh, we're so nervous. i think, yeah. oh, what, what would you be? it's just me and Matt and we're just having a chat, you know, and, and, and you always try to calm your guests, I guess, or reassure your guests by saying things like you don't – you, you know all the answers to any of the questions that I'm going to ask you. There's no, you know, there's no tricks. There's no – um not so trying to catch up. Yeah, manhole covers sliding off and that sort of thing. It's it's all, you know, just what you see is what you get kind of thing. But all credit uh, but, to Chris uh, for the
1: – so Sorry, but all credit to Chris for the amount of research that he did. Yeah, we're going to have up bit, our game. Man? Yeah. yeah. So I think he went <laughs> I back think and so. listened to all 223 episodes. <laughs> I bet he didn't. Uh, hey, mate, just very quickly, before, we do have a lot of news um, to get into, but I just wanted to, It's just been something that's been playing on my mind all week that I wouldn't mind uh, just sort of getting off my chest after oh, okay. sort of last night. Um, after the podcast last week, I, you know, sort of really rode the high horse last week about the um, West Fletcheron situation, um, which is you know, something that I feel very, very strongly about. But I got a nice email the next morning, a number of people, you know, it's amazing how many people listen the day that this comes out, um, but I got a very nice email um, from somebody, um, and I'm not sure that I'll say who it was, but it was a, a good friend of the show, um, and, you know, just sort of saying, talking about the 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 podcast um, and how good it was, but then sort of said at the end, you know, I'm one of those flogs who posted a West Fletcher and Cap, you know, I, but I bought it in Brussels, and I brought, brought it back and shared it with my mate, and it was one of those things that I, you know, I, I felt very much afterwards that I was one of those People just crack, having a having a crack at some, a personal crack at people in the Facebook comments of a of a, of, a, of a beer blog, and that's not what I meant to do. You know, I people drink beer for a whole lot of reasons just because you are proud of sharing a beer that you've you've sourced. You may not know the history. You may not know any of this. Um, And I I think I just went a little bit too far in terms of writing people off um, who may have had a West And Oh, yeah,
0: but, yeah, and I think too that underlying that is that most of the people who have posted Westie uh, posts and whatever, pictures, selfies, were probably unaware that the bottle they bought probably – should not have been sold by the person who sold it to them.
1: Well, it, and, that's, and it, it, I could have just made that point. I, I could have said, did you know that the monks feel this way? Um, it's a promise that you don't be, buy, you know, resell it. If you are buying it in Australia, um, then you, you just are breaching the, 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 the covenant that's yeah, been made yeah. with the monks. And, and I could have it left was, it at that. It
0: was, that, and I it was interesting to, that yeah. the, same, the same story, Matt, was picked up by the craft beer crew, Kerry-Ann Purchase, uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, reposted the the original story that we took our article from and that we spoke um, to uh, and somebody just sort of said, well uh, it's no different you still have to go and pick it up and so I just sort of popped in the thing not saying oh you know we've just talked about this go to our, our podcast but merely to say, here's the reason why and so it's it's all part of that education process and i'm sure there are people out there who don't realize that you know well hang on that's the the monks have kind of done this for centuries and it's probably Well since 1991
1: prof (laughs) because yeah
0: no but they've been brewing the beer for for that long and it's always been the thing that you know we 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 have it's not a tithe is it because a tithe is what you take from somebody else so it's a but it's like a you know an, an agreement an ethos, a philosophy, that you know, but the, the, the proceeds the, will go towards our good works and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, and, and this particular order, you know, because you, you've, you do have um, a number of uh, monasteries that are quite, well, ha- quite happily sell it and pr- produce it in volumes that they they do export. But this is one, and you know, I sort of think that you know, as I said, I don't go away. But anyway, I, I went too far, and I sort of made it a little bit too much about people and not about the the, the, the issue. So uh, yes, yeah, so I just wanted to uh, put that on the record. No worries. Did you want to explain it two different ways, or was it once enough? I'm trying. I'm, I'm, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm working on myself here. I'm. I'm I, I thought that was enough.
0: Okay, uh, let's leave it at that. Uh, let's uh, open the paper, shall we, and uh, spread out the tabloid across the kitchen table on a Saturday morning. For those who missed the news, here are the headlines. Uh, first up, the there are some board changes at the Independent Brewers Association, the IBA. So we learned this week that uh, Derek Hales from uh, Melbourne's uh, Bad Shepherd Brewing Co. He will be taking on a casual board position, and he replaces Ben Kraus, who's heading overseas for a, a bit of a sabbatical. He's going to his wife's homeland in Austria to do a bit of R and R after 14 pretty hard years of of, of pretty hard work, uh, getting Bridge Road Brewers up and running and maintaining it and growing it and all that sort of thing. So well done to Ben. Uh, enjoy your break. So Derek will be spearheading the IBA's marketing project group. And Richard Adamson of Young Henry's has also been appointed to the board. Um, he's been involved in the development. We spoke to him. I spoke to him at Gabs. So he's involved in the, the TAFE project in Sydney to try to get some sort of uh, brewing experience um, in, a, in a, you know, a formal education sense. Uh, and he'll be heading up the People, the people's project group
1: so on, so yeah, so congratulations to those two and who are joining and uh all the best to Ben I think it's yeah really, really um the 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 little that i've uh chatted with ben about it um you know he, he has spent the last couple of years positioning bridge road, so he can step out of the business um which is something that we we've talked on a a little bit profits in it's an industry that when particularly when you're running your own business, it does really mine passion, um, and it, it, it can be quite exhausting. It's something that I think you and I have both found over the years, as, as well. So congratulations for Ben to getting to the position where he can take his kids over and uh, you know immerse them in his wife's culture, um, and and take a bit of a year to you know um, recharge the batteries.
0: Yeah, and the reality is that without the structure that he's put in place uh he he and and many others like him couldn't do that you couldn't just shut the door, lock it, turn the lights off, and come back in a year. You've got to have all those um people in positions doing the things that you you know that need to be done, but also the things that you can't do yourself. And I guess probably Ben summons at um, uh, at uh, Stone and Wood is probably a great example of freeing the guys up to do those other things, the other projects to um, and we 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 spoke over the last couple of weeks the 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 catchphrase that keeps coming up is is founders fatigue which is, um, I think, something we need to be aware of, that, you know, the passion can only take you so far and once the really genuinely hard work kicks in and the the hurdles and the, you know, the slips and the falls and all that sort of thing, uh, metaphoric, of course, uh, can really bring you down. And so it's nice to be able to recharge the batteries and um, so well done yeah, to Ben.
1: Absolutely, and, and all the best. And he, he has invited us, so if we happen to be in Europe, Prof, he's invited us to stay. So uh, To the chalet? The chalet <laughs> to, de, to the chalet, so. Um, <laughs> If we can get enough of our listeners um, to... Oh, it's Austria, so it'll be a a, a Schlosser, Schlosser. Did you see that German couple? uh, I completely uh, digress that German couple during the week, the Instagram influencers who uh, faced a backlash for trying to hit people up for 14,000 pounds to to cycle to Africa as part of their Instagram thing, and his mum's been working two jobs to fund his lifestyle. You haven't seen that one, Prof?
0: Oh, I did see a little bit of it, and I, I must admit, I just switched off. Maybe so, if
1: our, our listeners will uh, sort of, uh, you know, give us a throw a few coins our way, um, <laughs> we can head over and visit Ben, and we'll take lots of photos. We'll make you feel very good about our journey.
0: Yeah, because that, that it would make us feel better that knowing that you feel better <laughs> for making us feel better. Something else that's going to make a lot of brewers feel better, Matt, is the beer excise changes, which come into effect at the end of this week. Um, the refund for alcohol manufacturers will increase to a maximum of one hundred thousand dollars per financial year, and those eligible we will be able to claim uh, up to one hundred grand for excise duty paid on or after the first of July two thousand
1: nineteen. Running conjointly with that is the reduced excise for smaller containers, so brewers can put their um, beer into much smaller kegs. And if you're wondering what that might mean, go and have a listen to the podcast that I recorded with. Uh, Andrew Higginbotham and Lincoln Kelly from Kegstar and Keg Services, respectively, at GAPS, um, where we sort of really go into the ins and outs of what they think and how they're gearing their business up to, um, you know... Uh, to of, react w- w- and w- respond. changes, yeah.
0: Yeah, the one thing we really don't know is the international brewers who perhaps now have less of a hurdle, less of a, a financial barrier to sending uh beer over here i know speaking to some brewers there's a little bit of a fear that that our market may be flooded with you know cheap 25 liter echo kegs and that sort of thing uh not having to return them uh having a small you know better value for money here's something a little bit interesting oh it's a smaller container yes we might try it uh it'll be interesting to see how so we won't get into it right now but uh, i'm sure over the next few months we'll uh pick up some stories about uh how that's tracking for
1: everyone well, it, it's an issue that we'll keep an eye on and i'm heading off to perth tomorrow um where we'll be setting up the bintani studio at the western australia's uh, trade conference western australian uh, brewers association trade conference and so yeah i'll I'm, so pick up uh, some thoughts over there Prof, and I'll report back next week
0: yeah matt our next headline is market concentration actually good for the craft brewers discuss
1: it wasn't this an interesting one this was um Claire Burnett, our our, our new Megan, um, our new journalist, um, who has a background in business uh, journalism. I, I think
0: to, I think to be fair, Matt, she's our first Claire rather than our new Megan. No.
1: Oh no, but you like to acknowledge, <laughs> you know, like it, it, we, we're a family here um, at Bruce News Prof. Um, That's right. She's taken the role of. She's yeah. taken the role, yes, and uh, and after the AB InBev stuff came out, you know that they're listing on the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. We've discussed recently um, their stock market filing had some really interesting information in it about their market share, the market share of the big two. And, you know, they said um, that the Australian beer market is one of the most profitable in the world. And, you know, that, that sort of made, got my uh, journalist senses tingling. I thought, gee, I wonder if those two things related, whether market concentration and profitability um, are related. And so, um, Claire started doing some research. And, you know, like, again, there was no agenda to the story, but it was just an interesting one to start exploring. And uh, if you'd asked me beforehand, I would have thought, you know, um, everyone wants to say that competition's a bad thing. Uh, it's sort of lack of competition's a bad thing. And it's turned out, well, it really depends on who you're looking at because um, the economist that Claire spoke to and even Jamie Cook from the IBA um, said that, well, actually, if the big guys are charging more for their beer, that's actually probably um, or arguably not a bad thing for craft brewers because their beer looks um, better priced by comparison. You know, if, if uh, Line and CUB were forced by competition to lower their prices um, to, to be on a par with other jurisdictions, craft brewers probably can't because they're in a fairly competitive part of the market already um, and they would probably look much more expensive than, than they otherwise are, which yeah, it was just an interesting an interesting story uh, that, that that went ways that we didn't quite expect.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that'll be a, a, again that'll be one to keep an eye on, just to sort of see uh, where the cards fall in that particular situation. Matt, I like a beer as much as anyone else. I'm also privileged and honoured and take my role very seriously as a judge at the Australian International Beer Awards for the last five years or so and being involved back of house uh, as the head steward at the Indies. And it's really interesting to uh, be judging a beer with people when you don't know what that beer is and likewise when you're serving beer and then listening in on the conversation when you know what the beer is but they don't. It does show just how much a label affects our, you know, that that very subjective nature of beer and that very uh, indefinable quality of, yeah, I like this beer. Uh, And we found uh, Adam Galley, I think it was, um, on the Facebook page uh, group, sent us a little bit of a a story regarding the North of Nowhere Pale Ale, which is uh, a beer made for Aldi by DB in New Zealand, which won the best Australian style pale ale at the uh, AIBAs. Um, Adam noted that uh, I haven't had it yet, but the good folks on Rate Beer give it an average rating of just 2.95, with many people not liking it very much. Uh, And he does qualify that by saying, not that the Rate Beer ratings mean anything to him. Uh, It does show that well, you know what, uh, 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 what do you call it? A representative sample of uh, very knowledgeable peers thought it was better than any of the others put before them, not knowing what it was. And it's probably similar to, I think, uh, Aldi, like Storm Lager or something like that, uh, maybe two or three years ago, I recall, might have won Best Lager, a, a, a brand that was that was made for for Aldi. And remember, it's not Aldi, it's not, you know, some you know supermarket trolley jockeys out the back you know whipping it up in a homebrew kit this is made for aldi by uh, a fairly large and competent brewery so you'd expect it to be a reasonably good pale ale but matt it does highlight doesn't it just how much we we drink the label oh, mate, as much it, as the beer
1: yeah look and, and this particular story could be a little bit of a deep dive because i'll uh once we talk about this i'll link it back to the uh to, to the last story that we we looked at um, oh yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, look, it, and it, it, it's it's it is quite fascinating um, the way we taste, and there are a whole lot of perceptional studies that are done about wine um, drinkers and you know, wine judging, and you know when you, when you measure, put somebody in, an, I think it's an ECG, like electroencephalogram machine, and you can measure the pleasure sensors of our brain um, and what fires when we're ex, when we're enjoying something, and so we can tell clinically how much we're enjoying something and if you give somebody a five dollar or a glass of wine say this is a five dollar bottle of wine and then measure how much they enjoy it then give them another glass and measure how much they enjoy the 70 the one that you tell them is a 75 dollars bottle they are more likely to get vastly more pleasure from a 75 dollars bottle of wine than a five dollar bottle of wine even when you've given them wine from the same bottle and the mere act of telling them the price um, has an impact on their, their enjoyment of it. And and that's what's taking place here. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's also, I think it sort of shows why the rate beers of the world have their limitations because um, popular, well-loved brands are always going to be a little bit higher um, no matter what they do compared to to brands like this.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it, it was uh, two things out of that. One, it was, it was nice to see, uh, again, our listeners – Joining the conversation and engaging in um, and, and offering opinions, and it's and it's really interesting then to see that the, the follow up. But yeah, it's also very interesting to see. It's very similar, Matt, to the. Uh, I don't think it was done with wine judges. I think it was just done with wine drinkers, where you'd serve a white wine, get them to look at it, describe it, write down some notes and whatever. Then they got exactly the same wine, but added added some red food colouring. That's to the it. one,
1: flavourless, odourless uh, food colouring. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and all of a sudden they were getting, oh, rich, fruity, you know, stone fruit, blah, 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 because you're assuming it's a red wine. Well, yeah, no, it's just the same wine you had before, red coloured.
1: Yeah, and, uh, so it hasn't it really affected sh- the flavour at all, yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, coming off the back of our uh, really interesting chat from the Trade Hub during Good Beer Week with the, uh, you know, what makes an award-winning beer, it really highlights the importance of the blind tasting aspect of things and also that for a beer to get through to a trophy round, it's been tasted by up to four different panels of people. So it's not yeah. And and it was interesting listening to your and, and matt a really good chat too with Ash Hazel and Justin Fox. Justin Fox, yep. Uh and thank you, mate. The, thank you. The bit where they where they talked about uh I'm only just catching up on, on it also so, so there's, been a lot of, there's been a lot of yeah, content. A little bit late to the party. Yeah. But there has been a lot of content. But yeah, sort of saying, look, yeah, Sometimes a really good beer, you know, might miss out on a gold and end up with a, a shiny silver. A real, Plenty of really, really good beers miss out on the trophy because only one really, really good beer will get a trophy, but never will a, a poorly made, you know, under-attenuated, wordy, uh infected, what, a bad beer will never be elevated above its station, but sometimes a really good beer, you know, might might not do as well as um, as
1: what you might expect. Yeah, actually, and I'm not sure if you've caught up with all of them, but um, it ended up being a bit of a recurring theme um, with those chats because I had uh, Richard uh, Watkins and Brendan Varus, both of whom had missed out on gold medals. And Richard's cleaned up in international beer competitions over the last year or two and couldn't get a gold at the OBAs. And Brendan Varus, the same. Sam Fuss. Um, and so it was a bit of a recurring theme, talking about you know people that missed out on a gold by half half a half a point. So uh, if you haven't, go and listen to some of those chats.
0: Yeah, and it really does put into into sharp focus again two things. One, if you enjoy a beer, it doesn't matter what medal it got or what somebody else thought of it. If you enjoy it, then just drink it and enjoy it, and and that's enjoy
1: drink,
0: yeah enjoy that enjoyment. Uh, but it also does show that yeah we're we're all very different, and it's it's a um, you know. It, it's sometimes it's just a little bit of a toss of the coin and a little bit of dumb luck that uh, you, your shiny silver gets polished enough to, to win a gold and then it's in the running for a, a champion trophy. And, of course, that's the ones that everyone kind of remembers.
1: But that also um, shows why for somebody like uh, um, Fixation to, to win gold three years in a row or even you know, more, uh, Green Beacon to win champion um, brewery three years in a row, that's a pretty high accolade
0: yeah yeah because it's average as well it um it, it really does mean a lot
1: mm. hey um but before we move on from this because there, there was a lot in this and so i thank adam for for sharing this with us so so yeah so on one hand there's that perception thing um with the beer from Aldi, but the second thing and i know a lot of our listeners are avid readers um or avid um you know audio listeners so don't stop listening to us but the other thing that it brought out and it ties back to that um, competition piece is we are seeing a lot more competition in in the retail space. We've always had the Coles and Woolies and people have talked about um, that and how bad it is for suppliers because they're being squeezed. But now we're seeing the Aldi's come in, we're seeing the Kauffman's, um, and we're, so we're going to see a lot more competition. And the Aldi model particularly isn't necessarily to go out and get forex and put it on their shelves at a cheaper price they will go to a supplier like um, db or you know a contract brewer um, or go to a a recognized brewer to make something just for them um, that is branded but exclusive to aldi um, and it will be at a pretty sharp price and there's a whole lot of reasons that brewers will do that but it's one of those it, it ties back into that competition piece because you know that's going to put a lot of pressure. If you've got DB doing a, a red hot pricing deal on, a... a tr- you know, they, they can make beer. Obviously, they've won a trophy, but if it's you know five six dollars a sixer less um, through Aldi because Aldi's bought huge bulk buys, then that puts a lot of pressure on the on the whole market in the same way that. Um, you know, uh, having too many breweries um, may well do, and and then that's something that's uh, well worth considering. Um, the the law of under, un, unintended consequences when you do get extra competition. And uh, I, the the thing that I'd uh, recommend people uh, who want to follow up a little bit more about this is there's an awesome book by a wine economist called Mike Veseth, V E S E T H, Veseth. Um, and it's called Wine Wars, The Curse of the Blue Nun, The Miracle of Two Buck Chuck, and The Revenge of the Terroirists. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and it looks at the evolution of the wine market, you know, the, the, the growth of the new world, such as Australia and America, the fly-in, fly-out winemakers, um, Trader, Trader Joe's in the States, which I think is the um, owned by the Aldi guys um, yeah. uh yes so either that or costco isn't it no i think it's aldi yeah well and, and they compete with costco um yeah so and, yep. and you know they've got like a whole lot of award-winning wines in the two dollar range that are you know nameless um brands that have been made by uh, award-winning and so it it looks at this as it applied to the wine industry and whilst there's not direct parallels it's a fascinating read if you want to understand a little bit more about the way that um competition works in in this uh, in, in the space and also learn a little bit more about the uh, the wine industry, which is just as fascinating as the beer industry. So we'll put yeah. a link to that in the show notes. Weshel, thanks for that.
0: Uh, moving right along, we'll jump to uh, Bintani launches a hops selection trial. Now, this is a little bit similar to, I think, what they've been doing uh, at some of the family farms in Yakima.
1: It? Yeah. Look, it, 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 funnily enough, it was something that um, I had a very engaged conversation with uh, Mazen Hajar, um at the Brisbane Gabs. Sort of, you know, he was sort of talking about the Australian hop market, and you know that in the US you could go and sort of say, "I want year-on-year hops from this particular block. I want, you know, Cascade hops from Block One A." Picked yep. in you know the first couple of days of harvest, not the last couple of days of harvest, because that's what I want for my uh, beer, and it, it just wasn't available. And uh, Bintani is um, looking at at this stage, it's only with one hop, it's uh, um, Amarillo, but they're offering um, hops at a particular part of the the, the harvest, um, because you know again um, we, we could sort of really disappear down the rabbit hole talking about hops, but. Whilst we think of Amarillo hops as having a character, um, when you speak to the guys that do the tasting tables, where they sort of try the hops, you know, do the rubbing, and the tasting, and uh, you know, choosing their, their their hops, hops that are you know, right at the start of the picking window um, have a certain character, the middle, and then the end, and they they do change during the week or two that that they're harvested, and the commonly available hops. Are a bit of a blend, so you've got a standardisation, uh, you know, across the, the 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 whole, you know, whether you buy this bale or that bale, it's a little bit like a blended Scotch whisky, um, and yeah, so so Bintani is now looking at um, a choice of, I think it's two growing regions and then um, two picking times for people that really want to dial in and look at a particular attribute to to their hop for their beer.
0: Yeah, I Oregon, it's, it's a, a great. Example of how the industry overall is maturing. So this is something I'm sure a lot of our listeners would not be aware happens. That you know a brewer will go out into the into the field, literally into the the crop, you know, with the the hop uh, owner, the farmer, the manager, whoever it is, uh, the the seller, I guess, the broker, and sort of say. Now with my Amarillo, I want them early, early picked. I want them in the you know the first three days, and I want it from this row because it's the one on the outside that's getting more sun, or I don't want it from that one. I, I think it, it, it's it's great that it's um, we're trialing that now, and it, it just does show how we are maturing. I don't know how. I, I assume when you pick the hops and then you're basically cryovacking them, that it doesn't matter if it then gets sent ten minutes away, um, or like the the guys at Bale Breaker. What are they? What's theirs called? The um. Uh, lot, lot 41 which i think is the the where the brewery where is the in, brewery the, is in, like in that, the hop yeah. field so like so you're, you're literally walking it, it through a roller door and it's and it's into the into the brew or whether it's being then you know sent on planes or ships to be sent over to australia would it work better say going down to bushy park or to um myrtleford if you're a, a local brewer or does or does it not matter?
1: Uh, probably outside of my uh, area of expertise. I my understanding from calling Tim Lord. And... Calling
0: Tim Lord. Tim Lord, <laughs> yeah.
1: or, please answer answer
0: an inquiry on line one. I'm, I'm sure he or OJ will uh, will will know something a little bit more about you know whether or not the the cryovacking or the processing basically freezes
1: that that condition. And. and it's a funny one because i did speak to OJ. i shot a couple of videos um that we can also link to in the show notes i guess um looking at hop breeding and then the, the hop harvest um with hpa and it was one of the things i asked you know is <clears throat> tasmanian you yeah, know bushy park um hops different from you know galaxy different from uh, ross trevor galaxy and the the long technical answer um ended up being, well, effectively, no. And I'm wondering now whether that's because you know they, they do get blended or whether there's just not a, not a great um, deal of difference once you do blend the early and late pick. Um, but it, it's certainly something that we can go and dig a little bit deeper into um, with OJ. And I know OJ's a, a listener, so he might even uh, shoot us a note and say, hey, uh, hold on, champ, uh, that's not quite what we said, so I don't mean to put words in his mouth
0: no but that's it uh, an interesting one and and as I, of interest i think for drinkers as well because it, it gives i guess another element another layer to the story you know the brand story behind uh, or the, the you know the story behind a particular beer label to say you know we didn't only go out and and select these hops but they were hops from this area of the region uh, you know uh, and and were picked to our specifications because that a drinker drinking you know two xpas uh, identical you know one with hop a and one with hop b is probably not going to necessarily taste the difference let alone hop a and hop a that's been picked two weeks apart but i think it just gives that again it, it revolves around highlighting the agricultural nature of beer it's an agricultural product not a factory product as we as we keep banging on about but it also just gives that another element of the enjoyment
1: and and, and that's you know one of the things that yeah look I, I think it's an exciting thing you know like i certainly you know wouldn't back myself to pick an early in a late season um you know late harvest uh, hop, but when, when you speak to guys like scotty hargrave he is absolutely adamant that you know there is a difference between them and that they they have an impact on the beer and he you know he um is very discerning about what he um, chooses and 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 what he puts in as much as he can, and um, you know I I think that that can only be a good thing. The less we focus on the industrial nature of beer, which it on on one level it is, but the the more we can focus on the ingredients and the variation, um, it it really does lock in value um, into the 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 concept of what beer is. And as I said on Chris's podcast last night, you know one of my best experiences ever it was the first time um, HPA and uh, Cascade and Max Burslem, um sort of took us out to the hop fields for the first harvest uh, brew. And suddenly you realise that, wow, this is completely, it, it, as much as I love beer, this is really grounding it in being a product of the land, um, which we, we really don't think about um, all that often.
0: No, certainly not when we're just, yeah, you're just sitting around with your mates or watching the football and, you know, down in a
1: a couple of nice frothies, and we don't want to put um, you know cravats on, and we or we don't want or to furfies, sort
0: of, or you know whatever else. Yeah, be, and we don't it.
1: necessarily want to sort of have people sort of sitting you know at the bar telling you you know what side of the hill the hops were grown on and that it was picked you know in day nine into a fourteen day pick, and you're going to get. You know, this when there was stuff. morning frost, when there was morning oh, frost, and all there wouldn't that be morning sort of frost in March. But yeah, uh, and here's
0: the other thing too. I mean, look, we're all, I'm sure, guilty of you know choosing the Himalayan pink salt over the Malden, over the you know Murray River sea salt, thinking you know, and look, in some cases, it does, it does make a difference. But at the end of the day, it's a
1: bit of a wank, isn't it? Mate, that's so is the Bintang effect. Registered trademark, <laughs> Matt
0: <here> <laughs> Commercial inquiries, welcome.
1: <laughs> Actually, <laughs> just, just, just sort of, uh, we're doing okay for time, Prof, so I can disappear down a, um, a, a rabbit hole. Um, I don't mind you disappearing down rabbit
0: holes. It's when you completely lose yourself <laughs> up your own that I think our listeners start to go, oh, hang on, what's happening uh,
1: here? Did, did you see, and it's not in the news um, breakdown, but did you see that uh, AB and Bev are bringing back the men of, real men of genius uh, campaign for the, I think, for the craft beer world?
0: Oh, okay. Do you no, remember the
1: old real yeah Native? yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll dig one out and uh, get Joe to just sort of put it in here because it's three minutes of. They, they, they were quite. They, they were of their time and they're probably not as relevant now. But um, was it, was it the? Oh no no,
0: that was the regulars. Which one am I thinking of? I'm thinking um, of the regulars, which was the you know
1: blokes punching above their way. Well, that, that was VB, shark, and that was kind of like VB's. Um, the average bloke, yeah, kind of, the average punter. Yeah, whereas "Real Men of Genius" was just this series of ads in the late 80s and 90s um that wasn't you know tits and ass sort of you know um girls in bikini um, type campaigns I think they were radio ads that were just quite funny and quite engaging they they were just iconic like they they were just sort of the the, the very very funny um ads so I I'm pretty sure that they'll be on YouTube so I'll I'll, I'll dig one out um and our listeners can get a sense for it, but uh, just when I did the registered trademark, um, that just sort of reminded me of it. But um, let, let's let's bring it back to uh, to the script.
0: Now, we've got one last uh, story, which we just added this morning. And as I was driving along in the car, my daughter on the way to school um, <laughs> was listening to, the, listening to the radio with because she's got it. if we don't get into the car by a certain time, she doesn't get to listen to Tay-Tay <laughs> or her, her playlist. She's got to listen to what she calls – sorry, what all my girls – old, old Man Radio. Old Man Radio. That's what gr- mine called as well. Grumpy Old Man Radio. Okay. If it's Neil Mitchell, it's Grumpy Old Man Radio. But this is The Breakfast Show, so it's a bit light and bubbly. And, and I'm often on as an expert, so they don't mind listening to that. But uh, our uh, old mate, Michael Thorne, popped on uh, and was yapping away. And my youngest just sort of said,
1: he's a bit of a flog in the dead. And i like, <laughs> oh, Oh, brings a tear to my eye. Yeah, well, let, let's uh, say. So, so the story is um, completely wrong. Alcohol retailer BWS partners with Dry July. Australia's largest alcohol retailer, BWS, has formed an inverted commas unlikely partnership with the Dry July Foundation, which challenges people to go alcohol free for a month to raise money for cancer patients in a move that has drawn sharp criticism. Michael Thorne, chief executive of the Foundation for Alcohol Research and Education, said the partnership was completely wrong because of the link between, between alcohol and cancer. He does come across as a bit of a zealot. And uh, it, 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 a it's bit, quite... A bit. Well, look, he he criticised it as a cynical move. On one hand, you can see that because um, you've know you you've got BWS that sells alcohol partnering with Dry July. And it is... I don't know that it's cynical. It's, it, it's just business is agnostic business doesn't care you know and if people are drinking less alcohol which is exactly what the foundation of alcohol research and education wants then the the business isn't just going to go well that was good while we while it lasted we'll go and do something else now we're going to we're (laughs) going to start faking meth (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're going to go into the you know um, yeah, you know, some other business entirely. Legal prostitution. <laughs> yeah. gonna,
0: you know, like, they're not going They're not just going to close up shop and, and and all go and live in caves as hermits.
1: Yeah, they're they going to track. If people what, are drinking, I
0: don't know about I don't know about you, Matt. But one of my biggest, I guess, criticisms of Dry July, apart from the look, yeah, there's the slight tokenism aspect to it. But I think a, a lot of the, anecdotally, at least, there seems to be a lot of people who go dry for July and then you know go um, binge August. Binge August. Or, yeah. Yeah. And And so so good good on BWS for saying, okay, we're going to support the fact that you are raising money for cancer research. Well done, you. You're doing it by uh, denying yourself one of your life's small pleasures for the month of July. But we do know that come the month of August, when you rip that page off the calendar and it says August, you you can start drinking again, you are going to go out and you're going to replenish your stocks. We hope that by us – being involved in the good side of it that you will then i guess reward our altruism whether it's commercialized or fake or not but you'll come and buy from us rather than from the the one one of our competitors
1: well see i think there's an element of that but then there's also the deeper thing is well you know we don't want to not see you for the month of july um because you know then you might forget all about us um as a as a business and not come back to us when you when you are having a you know a tipple in august Um, You know, I think because they're really plugging up the the fact that they have alcohol-free options, you know, cocktail, spirits, um, beer. um, And so throughout July, we still want your business, but we'll sort of cater to your um, desire not to consume alcohol. Um, And that's where I think, um, you know, on one hand, that's just what businesses do. You know, they're not going to shut up shop just because people aren't drinking or people are drinking less. They're going to change their business model and their, their product range um to you know just like if, if everybody stopped buying home brand stuff they would stop selling home home brand stuff if, if you know if, if people stopped um you know people have stopped um eating things with sugar in them um and so they've started uh, stocking things that have artificial sweeteners or, or whatever in. and you know they don't, have, they don't have sugar yeah yeah and and look there's a whole other um thing about that but it's that that's business, and you can either sort of say, well, these businesses should be outlawed, or um, fair just will not concede that there is any positives whilst they're frantically banging the anti-alcohol drum, um, and they're talking. You know, they keep bringing out these the skies falling statistics. The simple fact is, people are drinking less alcohol. People are doing exactly what fair wants them to do. Um, and by doing so, I'm putting them out of a job. Well, it would, yeah, well and they're, they're actually a vested interest um, themselves because, you know, if, if just the same thing, if people stop drinking, it's not going to stop fair go, well, there we go, <laughs> job done, tick. Let's go find That's something it. else
0: to. Uh, let's, let's go after the adulterers now, let's yeah. go after the idolaters. No, there's a list. I've seen it. I've seen it on Facebook. Oh, listen. The other funny thing I have to say too is my 13 year old, the, the littlest Pilsner, uh, when she was listening about Dry July, she said, "We can't do Dry July, can we, Dad? Because we'd all we'd all starve. Because <laughs> you get you get you just basically get paid to drink beer, don't you? So if you weren't allowed to drink beer for a month, well, you what, you always have a beer while what you're would cooking. We judging
1: by your Facebook.
0: Profile.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. So I do mostly. Yeah. So that just going back to Dry July, that's look. I always used to think that it was um, bad because it you know didn't actually encourage moderation. Um, but I, I've come around to that a little bit. Um, that I, I actually think that you know just looking at my own relationship with alcohol, you know when, when you do drink every day, and it, it's very hard for us not to have a have a drink. Um, you know because like yesterday I was in Sydney for the day. You know I swung by a couple of um, breweries. Um, and straight away, sort yes, of having a couple of beers, um, which is work and the stuff that you have to do, because there's no point going to a brewery if you're not going to sample their, their wares. But then got to the airport an hour early, broke open the laptop, um, you know, and went to beer deluxe and um, had a beer because that's where my pleasure comes from. Um, and know, yeah, that was a bit of a pause moment for me, thinking, well, hold on, do I really need this beer? i you know, certainly was no, you know, probably wouldn't have registered. Um, anything near 0.05 all day because I was just having some little uh, samples. But do you need to have another beer now when you've just sort of been doing this low-level drinking all day? And I, I, I think that it can become a bit of a habit um, that, you know, taking a, a significant extended period of time to feel what it feels like not to ha- have a beer can potentially be a good thing um, just in yeah, terms oh, of look, and, uh, your, your your relationship with it.
0: Yeah, well done. God bless us. salute to all of those who... Uh, do things like Dry July and October and all those other ones. Um, I, I just sort of think, from a personal point of view, I would rather raise money and still do the things that I do. Oh That's yeah, just, look,
1: you know, I, but, but I'm just saying because, uh, like, I've actually found it recently that I have been wanting to have enforced um, alcohol-free days, which is the same sort of thing, which is which is good because it's very hard to even do that. Um, but yeah, like, and in, in just sort of having an extended period where you break the habit Um, because a a lot of the drinking is come home open a beer um, and it is a little bit habit forming um, and having a significant period off can just break the, the next you know so you you actually consider why am I having this one rather than I'm just having it because this is what I always do
0: speaking of breaking we need to break now because it's time to dive into the mailbag uh, don't forget to review us on iTunes or send us an email, and you can be in the draw for the letter of the week. Thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor the beer uh, letter of the week. You'll also get a Bruce News bottle opener, uh, and one lucky writer, talker, sender, poster will go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack from Beer Cartel, who sponsor our letter of the week. And for that, we thank them. Daniel Reid. Regular correspondent? Uh, Regular correspondent. Hi, Brews Newsers, you're well aware that many of your listeners catch the show on their commute to work, as I do, or in the brewery when they're mashing in. I thought you might like to hear another way that I listen to the show, and this is good because I can really relate to this, Daniel. To keep the beer belly at bay, I try to walk five or so times a week. But I struggled to find the time to exercise regularly after my wife and I had our second child. Happy to say, I've recently got back into it. Extra motivation has been listening to yours and other podcasts on my walk around the neighbourhood, and the kids are you know, after the kids are tucked away in bed. However, as the show regularly exceeds the time it takes to walk my usual route, I find myself going further just to hear the whole show. With the random extension to my route, the Don't Upset the Monk show finished in perfect time as I was walking up my driveway. At least it seemed it would. Oh, I hear you, Daniel. I hear you, brother. Until Matt had just one last thing to add. I'd walk 15 metres up the road and back again before the closing credits. And and to his credit, thank you, Daniel, uh, he's popped in his health information uh, from from a fitness tracker evidence attached. Health information, duration, one hour, two minutes, 43 seconds. Distance travelled, 6.83 kilometres. That's pretty good timing. Uh Steps taken 7,662 and 482 calories burned. So when the show goes over time, think of it as doing a health service for some of your listeners. The readout on my scales looks better every week. Matt's Waffle, I, good for your health. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I must I must say that's that's one thing that, because um, I noticed too, I will walk more or less depending on what I'm listening to. So sometimes I've got to switch to music uh, and I find then uh, I'll walk to the beat. So I'll walk a little bit quicker. So I get a little bit more intensive activity. Uh, but other times I'll, I'll listen to something that's really in-depth and interesting. And before I know it, you know, I've walked an extra, you know, three blocks of the neighborhood. So it's a good, it's a good way of doing it. Uh, you know, beer can be part of a healthy lifestyle. We're not saying it's healthy, Michael Thorne, but it is part. But it can absolutely be part healthy, of a healthy lifestyle. Well, it is, yeah. And our podcast um, is certainly is part of a healthy lifestyle. And our other letter this week from Sarah Gall. Uh, on our Facebook group page for Matt Kierkegaard, who wanted to see the nutritional panel from a commercially made kombucha. Here you go. This is Nexbar's rose lemonade variant and is delicious. Not a vinegary like they sometimes can be. Uh, six, six calories per, per serve. serve. So
1: that's uh, and per 24 serve is ml. kilojoules. Um, oh, is, that, is it 100 mils? Well, it uh, says here per uh, serving. No, no, on so I a think size cent- is 330 mils. So it's six calories per per bottle, which is a fraction of the, uh, you know, calories in a beer. Um, and when you look at the nutritional panel, zero, 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 zero for just sort of all of this, you know, no sugar, no such. And, and, and that was a point I was making last week, is that, yeah, look, absolutely, if you love the flavour of beer and you want to have that without the alcohol, alcohol for uh, beers beers, I, I just personally don't see the use case because, you know, I consume enough calories through drinking beer for that slight, Um, you know alcohol effect buzz um, responsibly not over the top Mm -hmm. Um, but then yeah so so to to try and round out the calories when I'm not drinking it for that reason I would rather have something that has no calories Um, and kombucha is a flavoursome drink that's got a whole lot of I think you can say it's got health benefits if you believe in probiotic health or gut health um, arguments and it's got six calories per serve so uh, that would be my choice not that i'm trying to damage the beer industry really no not it. at all
0: and uh i'm going to make uh, an executive decision and say that sarah Gaul this week wins she thanks a, to beer cartel she hasn't got a uh, barblade before has she i prof? don't think she, i don't think she does so sarah if you can send us in your home address because i don't want to send it to either of your two work uh, addresses that I, I am aware of, uh, so if you can send us that, and we'll send out a six pack of lovely Australian independent craft beer.
1: Now we, we are just in that because the forty minutes, forty minutes to an hour seems to be the sweet spot. Sweet, sweet spot. spot. So uh, you know, we, we've got a fairly wide time. Um, but there were sorry, Daniel, if it's you know if it's if you're stuck,
0: um, <laughs> you know, two blocks away, and you go, oh my god, I've got to run now because I'm about to run out of. You can put it on half speed.
1: Well, I, I think it might be why Daniel. <laughs> or just listen so to another many, episode. <laughs> that might be why Daniel contributes so many articles to the um, uh, Facebook group uh, because he wants me to talk about them to make sure that I'm sort of keeping him walking. Um,
0: either, either that, or he just wants to. He wants to not have to buy any beer. He wants to just keep getting the letter of the week. Of the
1: Can't week. give
0: it to you every week, champ.
1: But there was an interesting one about uh, that we won't go into here, but um, the slumping Corona brands and sort of looking at that so listeners if you do enjoy the podcast if too much beer is never enough and discussion um once again it just have to congratulate you know just just the level of discussion um that, that takes place in there that it is really really respectful and you know all, all of the things we like and it's also one of the things that made me feel uh so bad about my comments last week that you know because i see the how good the discussion is um in, in the facebook page and i went and ruined it by uh Calling people flogs will probably be unfair.
0: <laughs> But not to worry. Um, to everyone who listens again, thank you very much. You can contact us at producer at au if you'd like to send us an email. Jump on either of the Facebook pages, the Australian Brews News or the uh, Radio Brews News uh, Facebook group page, and you can join that just by uh, requesting membership and answering a simple question like, how do you listen to uh, the podcast? And it's a great way to, as I say, take that bit of extra time if you've got a little bit of spare time at at work or at home uh, or there's a a particular item of interest or, um, you know, a news article that's come up that you'd like to do a little bit more of a deep dive into as we often want to do, that's the place to do it. So, Matt, thanks very much again for this week. Thank you, Pete. Have have fun wobbering.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited about getting over there. It's you know just because of the distance, we don't get over there um, nearly enough. So uh, really looking forward to touching base um, with the the Western Australian industry and yeah, you know, getting a real sense of their their week of celebrations. Say hello to them
0: for us. I'm uh, unfortunately unable to join you as invited because I will be heading across the Dutch
1: to Gabs, Auckland. That's right. So uh, congratulations on that. Now, uh, in- and this
0: year, this year too, it's part of. There's a new uh, Auckland major events. Uh, I've got Elemental, which is a if you think Sydney Vivid or Melbourne White Night, uh cultural food uh, festival within the city, and GABS is, is sort of is is part of part of that program. So ticket numbers are already up so if you're over if you're listening in Auckland or Wellington or anywhere else and you're thinking of heading up to Gabs perhaps jump online now and pre-purchase your tickets because they are well above where they've been any year before so I'd hate you to miss out and Excellent. not be able to see us.
1: We haven't thanked our good friends at Relling's labels packages and stickers we didn't.
0: Rellings labels and stickers.
1: No, actually, one of the things we didn't talk about this week was the well labelling, obviously. Yeah, um, yeah, but there, there was an ABAC decision, but uh, we've we, we didn't want to turn this into the ABAC podcast. But you know, I'm trying to think of what it was. Now it was well, I the know.
0: I don't know when you think about it. Michael Thorne's given uh, Brewdog and. And Greg Cook affair run for the money and uh,
1: being replaced. Yeah, there's the Scottish brewery. We don't talk about them. Um, oh, sorry, the Scottish brewery. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we do thank Rallings Labels uh, Packers uh, Rabels Rallings think, Labels stickers. Ra- 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 What's the number, base. Matt? It's one 235 So give them a call to find out how they can solve all of your small batch uh, labeling needs. And uh, I, I think I gave them a good plug last week talking about the twenty two Patels. That at Beer Book Club, which was after we finished the show last week, the 22 Patels, which is the IPA from Boiling Pot where we recorded at the start of the year, they use Raing's labels pack, uh, labels and stickers. <laughs> god aren't they getting value for their money this week we forget about them and then uh, i can't even get their name out um uh Rallings labels and stickers and uh the, the the labels looked fantastic um so yeah so if you want to make your labels look fantastic um as good as boiling pot um, i can't help you with the beer but they can certainly make your brand look good so thank you for all of their support uh for the podcast and there you go, Daniel Ridd There you got you you got your walk
0: finished. There's there's your extra walk. So yeah, thanks very much to Crime Malt, to Rellings, labels, and stickers and to beer cartel, and especially to you, our loyal listeners. Thanks for listening again and we'll see you all soon. Cheers. Thank you. And we're out. And, we're out. and we are now <laughs> out.